Hello and welcome to this Endo Life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an Endo Warrior and Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them i don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU which is buonline.co.uk and you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. They are two sisters with endometriosis. They've been on the show before and they founded Semaine, which is a supplement company for people with periods to originally their first supplement was to aid with PMS and period pain. And I know that it is a lifesaver for so many people with endometriosis and painful periods. I absolutely love that supplement. It's really helped me when I've had to kind of follow protocols for SIBO or, you know, I've had a stressful time and I've been worried about my period. I've been able to avoid a flare with that supplement and they've always been so kind and um, kindly sent me sent me them when I when I've needed them. And now they've come out with a new supplement called the Daily, and it is a hormone balancing supplement, which is designed to help with healthy skin, stable mood, fewer cravings in your luteal phase, blood sugar balance. And they recently gifted it to me. Honestly, I said this to my client the other day. My blood sugar levels have never felt so stable as they did when I was taking that day, daily supplement. As you guys know, I I work very hard to stabilize my blood sugar levels because that will keep inflammation down and it also ensures that you have healthy balanced hormones. It's, it's really, really key. And I have a history of having really unstable blood sugar. Originally growing up, it was because of my eating disorder. But then in later years, it was much more down to firstly following a vegan diet when I didn't understand how to build my plate, a healthy blood sugar balancing plate. And secondly, because of my microbiome and my microbiome because of SIBO is 
built to actually extract more glucose from my food and cause blood sugar instability. This is actually a really key piece of blood sugar. If your blood sugar is resisting all of the strategies you're trying, that is a massive clue that your microbiome is affecting the way that your blood sugar is is being controlled in your body. So we need to work on that, work on your gut. And mine has improved mine has improved massively, but I still react much more um erratically than someone else would to blood sugar fluctuations. And I couldn't believe the difference. It was like I had a whole month of like stable blood sugar. It was incredible. And as a result, I had much more of a healthier cycle. I felt a lot more satisfied. I had less food cravings. I just felt a lot more stable in energy. So I'm a really big fan of this. And as I said, blood sugar is a huge piece to managing your hormones, hence why blood sugar is such a big part of their their supplement. So the girls have kindly given me a discount code for you guys. It will get you 20% off your first um, order, whether that's the daily or the PMS and Peerage support capsules. And the code is ENDOLIFE, one word, all caps. So E-N-D-O-L-I-F-E. And that code is valid for the next six months, I believe. So you can use it at any time. Um, So let me know how you get on with them. I'd love to hear if you find them as amazing as I did. And I hope that they bring you a happier and healthier cycle and period. Hi, everyone. So this week's episode is a replay as I am busy welcoming my new course students who signed up as part of my sale bundle that I did last week. So I wanted to share this episode because I've had some really amazing client wins in the past week. So free clients had a dramatic reduction in pain and an increase in cycle regularity. And two of them actually ended up going out on day one. So their periods, one two, one went to a party and one actually went out for dinner with her friends. And the other was saying she could function and live like a completely normal, you know, normal life on day one of her period, which is normally never able to do. So there were huge wins and it really inspired me to share with you all the ways to improve your period. And one of the go-to techniques that I use is pulling together a little pre-period toolkit, which helps my clients to reduce inflammation in the lead up to menstruation. Now, I like to work on long-term solutions, as you guys know. So I don't want to be spot treating your period pain every month, right? Or spot treating your endo pain every month. So that's why I work on long-term nutrition and lifestyle changes. But what can be really helpful is to, um, you know, just bring in a couple of extra support methods in the lead up to your period that can really lower inflammation and kind of support the pelvic muscles and the nerve signals in that area, the nerves in that area, calm everything down before your period so that you don't get such a severe reaction when your period arrives. And of course, I do have pain relief toolkits that I use with my clients and like I said, long-term solution strategies so that you don't even need these tools as much going forward. So I thought I'd reshare this old episode where I share six tips for reducing endopain in the lead up to your period so that you guys can begin formulating your own toolkit. Now, as I said, I use 
lots of different approaches. So please, you know, don't rely just on this as your sole approach and then be like, oh, it's not working. It needs to be a holistic kind of um, multifaceted approach. This is one of the approaches. You don't need to use all of these. You can just pick one. You can just pick a few. If you're going to pick one, I would suggest the magnesium rich baths, um, but have a listen and see what takes your fancy. So let's get to the episode. Hi guys, happy bank holiday if you are having a bank holiday and if you're not then I hope you're still having a lovely day. So today's episode is, let's see if I can do it, probably can't, going to be another one of those sort of bite-sized ones and I really want to make these quite practical and tangible for you so you can go away and actually action some of the tips without it feeling overwhelming. And this week I'm due on, I'm due on on Thursday or Friday, so I'm preparing for my period and so I thought I would share six tips this week that can help you to prepare for your period so that you have less endo pain. Now ideally, you know, we're supporting our body all month long, um, but if you're new to managing your endometriosis, this is a really great place to start because it just makes those changes quite manageable and you really only have to focus on those changes in in one week. I think these tips are also worth doing anyway, even if you are already doing stuff all month long because they just sort of compound and enhance the benefits of anything you've done throughout the month. And they can help you if you've maybe had a lot of stress or if you've like eaten more inflammatory foods than you normally would, or something's happened that you think might worsen your endometriosis pain, these can kind of sort of help to lessen the damage, so to speak. And the way that these strategies work is they help to lower inflammation in the body. And we know that inflammation is the root cause behind most of the pain with endometriosis. And so lowering the inflammation lowers our pain. And um, some of these strategies also help to relax the body's pain signals so that when your period arrives, the intensity of the pain is lessened. Some of you might experience like a complete reduction in pain with these strategies. I've got one or two clients who actually have, but I would say with most people, depending really on their lifestyle and diet, um, they might need to do more throughout the month to kind of get the reduction they're looking for but certainly these strategies can reduce overall pain when your period arrives um, but everyone's different so try what appeals to you you don't have to try all of them you might want to try one and then add another the following month but um try them out and see what works for you okay so the first one we're starting with is magnesium rich baths so a lovely uh, strategy to use I kind of want us to take the approach that we're looking at the preparation for your period as a bit of a spa week an at-home spa week so with magnesium baths a study found that we need about 500 grams to 600 grams of Epsom salt baths two to three times a week to replenish magnesium levels and feel the benefits that we're looking for with magnesium, which is often like lowering pain. And we need to have that bath for 10 to 30 minutes. 10 minutes really is the minimum. And what we know is that women in the UK, up to 50% of women in the UK are magnesium deficient. And magnesium gets used up when we're stressed, it gets used up in our periods. So arguably, a lot of us with endometriosis are quite stressed. So 
we probably have lower levels of magnesium. And this doesn't just apply to the UK, UK as well. I don't have the studies on hand, but I do know that women in America have lower levels of magnesium off the top of my head. Um, and you'll have to do some research in your own country regarding that. But it's a common nutrient that many of us are deficient in. And magnesium helps to relax muscles and lower inflammation. So, and in fact, supplementing with magnesium as well has been shown to reduce pain uh, with, with painful periods. So I'm not talking about supplements in this case, I'm talking about using baths because baths is a really wonderful way to absorb the magnesium through the skin. Um, and that can be really helpful if your body has trouble absorbing and digesting magnesium. I take magnesium supplements, but I'm deficient because of my SIBO. I can't properly absorb my magnesium. So having baths really helps me to replenish my magnesium levels. So having two to three baths with like 600 grams of magnesium for 30 minutes is a really wonderful way to replenish those magnesium levels, lower inflammation and calm down the muscles and the tension in the pelvic area so that your pelvis isn't so tight and so inflamed by the time your pain comes around so that you're not sort of reacting from a really high level of tension and inflammation already. Your level's a bit lower, so the kind of intensity is not going to be as strong. Okay, number two is adding in omega-3 fatty acids. So omega-3 fatty acids are the beneficial fats that are found in fatty fish, walnuts, chia seeds, and they have been found to be crucial for health and reducing inflammation in multiple studies. They've also been shown to reduce pain in people with dysmenorrhea, so that's painful periods, um, in a couple of studies, and they've been shown to reduce the size of endometriosis adhesions in mice treated with fish oil in comparison to the mice that weren't treated with fish oil. I know it's a horrible study and you know how big I am on animal welfare, but that's what we've got to work with at the moment. And I use fish oil or vegan EPA or DHA with my clients. And the doses that we that are most beneficial and that we use at the Integrative Women's Health Institute is a thousand milligrams to three thousand milligrams. And you can kind of have you generally need supplements to get like that kind of therapeutic amount because due to the mercury content in our seas, we can only really have about two portions of fatty fish a week. I think that's the NHS recommendation. So you could have like two portions of fatty fish that week and then boost it with some omega-3 fatty acids uh, supplements if you can afford it and go for a fish oil or go for um, a vegan EPA and DHA supplement. You're not going to get the um, easy to absorb omega-3s from walnuts and chia seeds. They have to be converted in our gut and not, not all of us can actually do that. So there are a couple of supplements that I really like and one that is 
completely toxin-free. They tested it for um, mercury and dioxin content, and it's free from those. It's it's really one of the best, best sustainably sourced, and it's a therapeutic clinical dose of 3,000 milligrams is Lion's Heart. So I'll put the link to that in my show notes. It's not cheap, but you could maybe look at the kind of qualities of that and compare it to a few other supplements if you want to go for something cheaper. Um, and there are a couple others that I'll put in my notes, show notes as well. Of course, with supplements, always um, consult your GP when you're adding in new supplements. Obviously, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian, so I'm not prescribing you these supplements, but I'm letting you know the dosages that um, we're trained in at Integrated Women's Health Institute. Oh, and also it's worth mentioning that you can find these dosage recommendations in Dr. Jessica Drummond's book, Outsmart Your Outsmart Endometriosis. Um, so I'll link to the free Kindle version of that in the show notes. Okay, number three is adding in daily lattes and teas. So hopefully this is a nice, pleasurable and fairly simple one for you guys to implement. So firstly, I really recommend making a big batch of turmeric milk to heat and drink as a latte in the lead up to your period on a daily basis. So I have a recipe in my book and you can also get it for free on, I can't remember whose blog it's on. It's either on BU or it's on Semaine. Either way, I'll put the link in um, the show notes. And my latte includes ginger, turmeric, cinnamon, along with a few other herbs and spices like vanilla and cardamom and black pepper. And ginger, cinnamon and turmeric, especially turmeric, are some of the most anti-inflammatory spices you can, you can consume. So at the Integrated Women's Health Institute, we use up to 400 milligrams for endometriosis. And that's the kind of maximum dosage that Dr. Jessica Drummond recommends in her book. But Nicole Jardim in her book, uh, Fix Your Period, she recommends 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams of curcumin, which is the active compound of turmeric uh, for endometriosis per day. And I actually personally prefer this higher dose. That makes more of a difference for me. And so each serving of my latte contains a gram of turmeric. So there's a thousand milligrams to a gram. So if you're having half a teaspoon of turmeric, which is what's in my um, latte, you're having a thousand milligrams. You're having a gram of turmeric. So, and even if that turmeric is a bit too strong for you, because some people turmeric can be a bit strong, you could go to a quarter of a teaspoon and you're still getting 500 milligrams. Um, so you can easily get that in a day. Ginger wise, Aviva Rom, Dr. Aviva Rom, she's a women's health expert. She recommends 1,000 milligrams to 2,000 milligrams split across the day. So that's 500 milligrams twice or four times a day before um, in the lead up to your period. I find ginger quite a powerful taste. So you could split that between your latte, a ginger tea, and maybe you could make up a batch of carrot and ginger soup. So you're having like that dosage split across the day or you know if you'd just rather sp uh, stick to like a thousand milligrams you could just try and get that in tea and a latte so my latte uses a quarter to a half teaspoon of ginger which is about 300 milligrams to 700 milligrams and 
I do recommend ginger root powder because that's the what the studies have used. Um, and ginger tea actually is also great for nausea. So if you find yourself nauseous before or on your period, sipping ginger tea could help. And one of my clients actually has terrible nausea every single morning and cramps and it causes her to vomit and she can't eat. Uh, for hours. And since we've been introducing ginger tea in the morning, the nausea has started to subside and she can eat earlier. Another thing about ginger is it's been shown to be as effective as methanamic acid in studies when used three times a day at 500 milligrams per dose from day one to three um, of your period. So again, that's about 1.5 grams of ginger. So you could split that across teas. That's what I tend to do. I make up ginger teas and ginger lattes throughout the day during my period. And I know one of my other clients, when we she was on methanamic acid and using supplements in this dose allowed her to come off the methanamic acid. And she now has pain-free periods, which is amazing. So other teas that you could include throughout the week um, in the lead up of your period could be raspberry leaf tea. And raspberry leaf tea, for some people, reduces cramps. I know um, people who find it really, really effective. Personally, I need to try it again, but I tried it years ago and didn't find it enough. But perhaps that was to do with the lifestyle and nutrition changes I had or hadn't made at that point. I will say when you're looking for raspberry leaf tea, just get it pure and without anything added. Some teas have a blend of like honey or like fruits in there and added sugar and that's actually not going to help you in the long run so just get some pure raspberry leaf tea and if you don't like the flavor you could always combine it with maybe peppermint or ginger or another tea uh, tea that you like and then dandelion leaf tea is also a wonderful tea to add in and I use that all month long but particularly in my luteal phase in the lead up to my period and the reason why I use that is because dandelion leaf tea can help to support the liver in removing toxins and excess uh, an old estrogen. So if you're suffering with estrogen dominance and the symptoms of that might look like bloating, PMS, painful breasts, cramps, heavy bleeding, then dandelion tea could help you with that. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. Okay, number four. So number four is adding in yoga or stretches for pelvic pain, ideally daily if possible. Now, if you've listened to any of my interviews about the pelvic floor, you'll know how important the pelvic floor is for lowering pain signals and just basically improving your quality of life with endometriosis. So by alleviating the tension in the muscles and alleviating the pressure around the nerves in your pelvic floor, you're basically preparing your pelvis and that area 
for when the pain does come or, you know, if and when it does come on your period. And by that point, you're less kind of tightly wound. Your your muscles are looser. So, you know, if they do become tense, which is likely if you're in pain, you're probably going to tense up. You might curl up into a ball. You're not kind of adding pain upon pain, right? Because when you've lived with chronic pain, your muscles and your nerves get hypersensitive and get tighter and more tense as the years have go on. And that actually increases pain signals, pain, inflammation in that area. So we're just kind of compounding the problem. Now, if we can reduce that tension and that nerve sensitivity in the week leading up to your period, we can hopefully have less of an intense reaction from your muscles and nerves when and if the pain does kick in during your period. Now, when it comes to the pelvic floor, it does require like quite a lot of months of work to reduce that pain and reduce that tightness, but it's still going to be beneficial to be adding in yoga for endometriosis and yoga for pelvic pain and yoga and stretches for endometriosis in the lead up to your period. It's going to reduce the tension in that area. Yoga is really beneficial for, and, and stretching really, helps to lower cortisol and um, stress levels. So all of these can have a massive impact on reducing pain signals overall. Your brain is less kind of hypersensitive to pain. It's less stressed. So that just makes it calm down. It's not kind of firing off pain signals left, right and center. And so adding in these daily structures can just ensure that your body isn't kind of reacting in such a heightened way when your period does arrive. Now I've got two resources that I really recommend, actually three resources I really recommend with my clients. So um, a yoga for endometriosis video and stretches for endometriosis and some fascia release for endo as well. So I'm going to link those in the show notes and you can maybe try one of those. Number five, you guys knew it was coming, but I have kept it to like lower down. So this one is reduce or ideally eliminate added sugar in the week leading up towards your period. So we know sugar is inflammatory. It blocks anti-inflammatory chemicals and it stimulates the production of inflammatory chemicals. I know personally for me, if I accident, I mean, I haven't accidentally eaten sugar on my period for years now but the last time I did I had done everything that I normally do for endometriosis and at that point I was having you know good periods and then I accidentally drank well I didn't accidentally drink it but I I drank a milk like a I don't know I can't remember almond milk or something with cacao in it and I literally thought it was just almond and cacao but it had date syrup in it it had about 14 grams of date syrup and the pain kicked in within about 30 minutes and um, I had to leave because the pain was so bad, but I could barely get myself home. So for me, I'm very sensitive to sugar and a lot of my clients, if they're not quite ready to make other changes, we just work on reducing their sugar. And one of my clients had had has had extraordinary results from reducing her sugar intake, literally from like eight, level eight on the pain scale out of 10, she's, she now doesn't get pain. And that's from reducing her sugar intake. Now, this doesn't mean you can't eat anything sweet in the lead up to your period, because I know that's the time that we tend to crave it. 
Uh, you could go for something like berries. Berries are full of antioxidants and antioxidants lower inflammation, so therefore lower pain. But also stevia and inulin root syrup are great sugar-free natural alternatives. So I will recommend the stevia drops and the stevia powder and the inulin root syrup that I like to use in the show notes. I'll put the links to those. And you can also get some incredible sugar-free chocolate now. So I will also link to those in the show notes, but you can get what I tend to go for, like the 100% black chocolate, which is quite intense. You really need to build up to that. If you don't like dark chocolate, then get used to dark chocolate and then try that. But there's also another company called, I think they're called So Free, and they do a chocolate that's sweetened with stevia. And that's a lot, it's still dark, but it's more milky. So I'll link to that. Um, in the show notes but you could do popcorn like make your own popcorn that you've sweetened uh, you've drizzled over with true inulin syrup that's what I do it's delicious you could try making some of my brownies I'll link to those in the show notes I think off the top of my head my brownies are 1.5 grams of sugar per brownie you could make uh, one of my hot chocolates I've got the recipe for that on I think it's actually in my on my blog. So I'll put that in there. Or you could just have, you know, chocolate in the house in the form of like one of the ones that I've mentioned. Um, or you could try looking up recipes, making your own. Or if you have a sweet tooth that's not around hot chocolate, then what I would recommend is I haven't released these recipes yet because I just haven't had time. But um, I make Sweet Laurel's bakery recipes, her cakes, with inulin syrup instead of maple syrup and she uses almond flour but I use ground almonds because I just can't find almond flour for an affordable price in the UK and so I adapt her recipes and I've adapted them again and again and again and they work every single time so um, you could have a look at that and try playing around with recipes or you know look in health shops and see what you can find sugar-free Planet Organic do some amazing truffles, actually, that are low sugar and they're sweetened only with inulin root syrup. So I'll link to those as well. Now, if you feel this isn't too triggering for you and you're open to doing it because, you know, it's just a couple of days and you're like, yeah, I, you know, I can do that. Other inflammatory foods you might want to consider reducing would be fried foods and trans fats, which are known inflammatory foods, such as like French fries, margarine, sunflower oil, you know, so sugar and trans fats, we know like categorically are inflammatory foods and are better in very, very small quantities for all of us. Now, caffeine, dairy and gluten can be inflammatories for some of us. Now, I know some health, health experts who argue they're inflammatory for all of us, but I'm still kind of on the fence with that. So at this point, I do see people have really good results from at least reducing some of these, but I think it's, it's individual. So it would be about testing what you respond to most, but over, you know, over the months, you might want to try like, okay, well, what happens if I reduce sugar and gluten in the week in the lead up towards my period? That could be something you try. And then you try, okay, I'll try sugar and reducing caffeine in the lead up towards my period and then seeing what happens with that. 
I would say that even though the studies have shown that caffeine can be inflammatory or anti-inflammatory for people that when it comes to our hormones and endometriosis, I tend to find that caffeine does cause problems for people. But the point number five is about sugar, but I just wanted to add in those kind of extra bonuses in case any of you are wondering, but you know, you know, you've heard me talk about gluten, you've heard me talk about caffeine and dairy. So I just wanted to mention those. And, you know, it's your choice. If you find any of this triggering, you don't have to do it. These are just all options for you to play with. And if you have a history of an eating disorder or you find this emotionally triggering, kind of like eliminating a food, I would suggest that if you want to do it, you work with a dietitian or nutritionist. And there's a couple of episodes I've got on my podcast about gluten, dairy, sugar and caffeine that I will link in the show notes and also on my conversation with Molly about dairy, gluten and sugar and endometriosis and how she works with people who do have a history of an eating disorder and what she does around those um, food groups. Okay, and the final one, um, I've been saving the best for last, is eat vegetables, guys. Eat the rainbow. There's a study that found that People with endometriosis have lower levels of antioxidants. So antioxidants are the plant nutrients found in vegetables that help to alleviate oxidation, which is a damaging process that occurs in the body and causes inflammation. By adding in fruits and vegetables, they actually found that antioxidant levels rose and oxidation levels fell. So the more vegetables we can add in and the more colour we can add in, the more antioxidants we can get in. So think eat the rainbow. Are you getting in like red, green, yellow, purple, you know, all of these lovely colours into your daily diet? And aim for between five to 10 portions a day of fruit and vegetables. The NHS recommends five a day as a minimum, but actually the research shows that 10 per day is beneficial for optimum health. But the NHS didn't think that we would do 10 a day. So they made five the minimum target because they felt that was more realistic. So, you know, you could get like two portions of fruit and vegging with your breakfast, three portions in at lunch, three portions in at dinner. So what's that? Six, seven, eight. So then you've got two snacks where you get in your other two portions. If you are very new to adding in fruits and vegetables, just start where you are. Don't be overwhelmed and think, oh my God, I'm only eating one portion. How am I going to get in 10? Start slowly and start, you know, with good intentions two portions is better than one, three portions are better than two. So just take it at a pace that feels comfortable for you. The last thing I want to do is overwhelm you or make you feel more stressed about this. But, you know, remember, you're not eating vegetables because you have endometriosis. You eat vegetables because you're a human being and we all need five to ten servings of fruit and vegetables a day. So this isn't about your endometriosis. This is just about you being healthy, a healthy individual. And actually doing this has really positive effects on your endometriosis and lowers antioxidants, uh, lowers your oxidation levels, therefore lowers your inflammation levels and lowers your pain levels. So it's something that we all should be doing, but it has benefits for endometriosis. So as always, do what feels right for you. If any of this feels triggering or you can't afford it, 
adapt it to how best suits your lifestyle um, and your values and your beliefs. And the links to everything is in my show notes. And yeah, I hope it's helpful. I'm going to do another one of these episodes based on what to eat in the lead up to your period. And that's going to be focusing on foods to add in that's going to help to lower inflammation and help you to have a better period. So stay tuned for that. And let me know if this episode was helpful for you. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.